this week on the podcast. It's another fan request. Downton Abbey, Season 3, Episode 3. The Crawley clan is all stressed out because they think they're going to have to move out of Downton. Meanwhile, Matthew's not so sure what to do with Reggie Swire's inheritance if he gets it. Barrow and O'Brien's beef is heating up. Bates is in prison. And Edith is about to walk down the aisle and marry Sir Anthony Strawland. Now, we've walked down this path before. We've walked down this aisle before. But let's do it again with fresh eyes. This week on the Lord's Grantham Podcast. And we're back again with another episode of Downton Abbey. Another fan request. What's going on, Corey? Not all that much for me. I've just been uh, coasting. How about you, Dave? Same, same. Uh, so no vacation this week. No lack of power rankings. It was the, the first weekend in my apartment in six weeks. So that was, I was grateful. Hey, that's, that's not bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Get to sleep in your bed. What a concept, honestly. Having your own bed. Sometimes <laughs> when you have those busy weekends and like you buy, like for me, since I, you know, I don't work from home. My breakfast is always just like a protein bar on the way out the door. Mm. And then I'll have like breakfast food around the house, eggs and bacon and stuff. And like I just never have the time to eat them because I'm never around at breakfast. Mm-hmm. I've got a little Scottish accent there. I'm never around at breakfast time. And then when you have that, you're looking so forward to the weekend to be like, I can eat this breakfast food that I've been waiting <laughs> to eat. I remember when I first moved out. I'm sorry, we're getting way off topic. But when I first moved out, I was like, man, I can make myself pancakes. And then I made myself pancakes in my first apartment, and I was like, well, I don't need to do that again. <laughs> that was... Yeah, that's a, that's a one, once in a while thing. Yeah, it's a treat. I mean, because it it's a pancake. It's a, it will sit in you. Uh, Especially when you make them for like one... Because per- I've done that in the past, too, where you like follow the recipe on the Bisquick box mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, this is how much is for one serving, and it's like 20 pancakes. And you're like, oh, God. Oh, no, what am I doing here? I'll die. I'll die. Well, there, but, there's only one piece of news that we need to cover, and it's probably yes. someone who's not getting any breakfast in the morning from someone else. Our man, Hugh Bonneville, he is split from his wife of 25 years, Lulu Bonneville. Now, this comes following what we said, discussed briefly last week, which was Dockery got remarried. Mm-hmm. And the story about Hugh's divorce kind of paints him as the villain because they say he's gallivanting around this wedding without his wedding band on, all smiles. And they have a photo of him just ear to ear laughing <laughs> at the wedding. Now, we he didn't show up to... No, I'm, I'm not, you know... Divorce is uh, no fun, mm-hmm. but this seems to be like, like okay, he's divorced. He's a, do, how, is he 50? Is he's he, 59. He's in his 50s. Okay, so he's almost 60 years old. I feel terrible at 22 years. But, I don't know. I think the, certain, the narrative people are having, I've, I've seen a couple people well, being like, oh, what a brat. It's the, it's the one quote here in the Daily Mail, the always trustworthy Daily Mail, uh, that a source said, it is clear that Lulu feels as if 20-odd years of marriage counts for nothing. <laughs> uh and they'd lived together for 25 years at their home in West Sussex. They were last seen together in April, but yeah, the ring is off. He, apparently, he'd been spending a lot of time all summer filming the new uh, Paddington. Uh, you know, goes to Peru, uh, darkest Peru, and he's been he's tan, he's lean. This is their description, not mine. And uh, yeah, man, he's just I guess he's ready to be on the prowl. Um, don't know don't know why they they broke up, but it is a shame that she feels sad about it while he's off. <laughs> laughing somewhere but you know who knows with with, with Paddington he's he's having the, he had his, a summer of his life with Paddington somewhere and yeah now they've split. he probably came home and was like look me and Paddington had a lot of serious discussions after we wrapped filming mm-hmm. a lot of you know a lot of glasses of wine down in Peru and and I think I just got to move on we haven't been seen together since April yeah he's just gonna I want to go to Takari's wedding and have fun I don't want to be held down yeah I the the thing is, so they had just also, well, not just, but they renewed their vows just five years ago in in Vegas, also. 
Uh, but I mean, once you said in Vegas, that nulls the whole <laughs> sentiment of that. I mean, it's a it's a fun fun way to do it. Uh, but and there's an interesting quote too here where they were friends as teens, and then they got together in their 30s because of Hugh's mother. She reintroduced the, the two of them because um, mm-hmm. she was yeah yeah she was running some marquee company, and her mother introduced them and he said it infuriated me that I have to give full credit to my mom for introducing us you wonder does he hold a grudge that his mom is responsible for his love life yeah you got, you got something to tell us now uh, yeah but they did have one son and you know I, they at least stayed together uh, for, for uh, the kid to you know grow up and everything <laughs> but uh man I, my, sorry for Lulu, if if and sorry for Hugh because I'm sure Hugh can smile at a wedding, but I'm sure at home he's not all chipper. It's no fun. It, so. it, we keep calling her Lulu. Her name is Lucinda. I don't know if we're allowed to say Lulu, but that's how the article kept referring to her. Um, well, Daily Mail, legitimate source of news. <laughs> that is true. Uh, but yeah, they are they are separated, and uh, hope they uh, hope they hope they find land on their feet and they're okay. <laughs> yeah. But speaking of uh, uh, weddings and divorces and separations, we've got a, a Downton Greatest Hits episode to watch or to discuss. You know, when our listeners say, try listening to this episode, it doesn't call to mind what that episode is about. It's just season three, episode three. Great. Let's do it. And then early mm-hmm. on, they're like buzzing. You know, you, you see Edith grinning from ear to ear. And it's like, that's a rare sight. And you see gifts come in. And it's like, oh, no, is it, it's that episode. Yeah, it's it's the one. It's that it's that one. And for those just tuning in, we're going full spoilers on this and the pretty much the rest of Downton too. We're, we're just going to talk about it because it's hard to even think about the context leading up to this episode because we're just we're just dropping in on three point three. Yeah, and I I have my I have some hypotheticals at the end of this episode that I think we'll we'll have to discuss. Mm-hmm. Oh, one last thing about the Hugh Bonneville of it all. I said this in our group chat, our Lords of Grantham Lounge. Uh, but I just kind of resist that, like the thought, because we were just talking about Jane last week coming into Dallin. <laughs> Is there a chance that mm-hmm. <laughs> Hugh Bonneville had a Jane walk into his life, uh, and he was just taken? You know. Anyways. Yeah, a Peruvian Jane. Yeah, or was there a Mister Bricker character? You know that <laughs> came into the picture. Who knows? Yep. Hey, you never know. Yeah. Was Paddington Mister Bricker? <laughs> Oh, for you, Lulu. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> took him away. Okay, three point three. Yes. There's flowers at the house. They're cleaning up. Edith is happy, and yes, this is the episode where she is to marry Anthony Strollen. There's so many strands of storylines here. We're we're in the thick of things. Where do we want to go? This is a. I, I feel like there's a couple like obvious ones. Mm-hmm. I think we'll, let's let's pull out the old Lords of Grantham greatest hits. If we're gonna watch a greatest hits episode, let's yeah. let's go into our own top hat and pull out Ethel first. Okay. Yes. What's she up to this episode, Dave? She is hanging out with the holier than now Isabel, mm-hmm. which I think this era of Isabel is the most unbearable Isabel. Really, make your case. I think Matthew is not uh, in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. you know. Matthew has recovered and is now a full-fledged member of the Big House family. Mm-hmm. So the sort of who are we in this world, Isabel, is over. Mm-hmm. She's adjusted. She's living this nice life. The war, Isabel, is over. We have yet to introduce Lord Merton, who who brings out, I think, the best era of Isabel. This is her sort of like... Being a rich person who doesn't know what to do with their philanthropic efforts and winds up with it with a noble cause, yeah. a, a shelter for women, trying to teach them skills to get them back into the world. But you know, I think uh, to me, it's like a it's like one of those like neon lights to catch mosquitoes and flies at night. And Ethel is like the fly that goes right to wherever the near a zapper is right and, and this plot is the zapper and it's not like they're hanging out it, like i think isabel bumps into her and like explicitly says like oh i can help you and then ethel rebuffs in this episode we see her 
reconsidering her offer. And yeah, you know, Isabel's helping people to develop like seamstress skills, these prostitutes or, or ladies of the night, if you but, will. But they're clearly one of them says in the scene, like, why don't we get in lunch? Like yeah. they're that, they're just taking they're not there to learn. Yeah, they don't. They're scoffing at her when like uh, Ethel's just like. Humna, 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 I need to leave. And everyone's like, oh, she's no better than us. She's just like us. And, and well, I mean, the big reveal is that Ethel does uh, admit to being a prostitute. So Nothing wrong with that. I mean, I mean that's really all we was, get this week. But I, but, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, Ethel's trying to make ends meet. What can you do? But hopefully, yeah, Isabel will help her out. And, and we, we do. And that, I think that's all we get from that. Oh, from is, from Isabel approaches uh, Hughes and is like, "Do you have her address? Oh. I'd like to harass her some more to get to help her out." My, my my therapist told me something recently that really resonated with me, which was, "How do you know the help that you're giving someone is the help that they need?" <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you don't always have to be the helpful person because maybe that's just not what they need right then. Anyways, yeah, there's the old the, the old standby thought of. Uh, when you want to help somebody, you say, do you want the truth or do you want me to support you? Right. And Ethel's like, I want you to, I just want you to like nod at me and acknowledge me and then I'll handle this when I get there. And Isabel's like, no, 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 no. I want to tell you the truth. I want to give you, I want to force feed you this narrative that I'm trying, this mm-hmm. this woman who's who's had a blessed life, <laughs> middle class life, but blessed nonetheless, relative to these poor young women who are taking advantage of her service so yeah i mean yeah. now have not some lunch favorite, Isabel, ethel eat some lunch ethel just eat it <laughs> yeah have some bologna <laughs> <laughs> just starts force feeding her like i'm trying to help you um all right isabel uh enough with her so there is uh the anna and the baits of it all it's short but it's good oh yeah this is a good this is a good baits prison baits Oh, but wait, wait. There's another short one we can get rid of. Daisy and, and Alfred. <laughs> get rid of it fast. I mean, I, I feel like I haven't... I thought I'd catch a little more flack for my thoughts on Daisy last week. But this week, Al, Alfred just has the hots for her, And he has no shame about bringing it up at how come she can't eat with us. Which I never really understood. Or never really, I don't know, caught <laughs> when we watched it before like wait Anna or Daisy and Patmore just don't eat with the rest of them I guess that's just always the case it's crazy I think it might be one of those situations where like they're with them in occasions where like there's not a pressing meal mm. but then I, again it's something I haven't clocked it's one of the great things about these rewatches is that we get these little nuggets that we say oh boy yeah. I hadn't thought about that but uh, yeah, Daisy runs away from Alfred when he's like, well, you can eat here. We can go out after or whatever and play games. And Mosley wants to play games, but Alfred's like, no, nah, Alfred rescinded. <laughs> Mosley's like, dude, I'm not you, bro. Yeah. And then later on, Anna says, because Daisy's asking Anna, like, how should I court men? What do you do? And Anna's like, the best thing to do is just don't approach him. It's not a good look. But, you know, accept their advances. If that's how you, how you want to do it, you know. If you want to win, as this is this is mid Anna and Mosley being a kind of a creep, mm-hmm. that era. This is the worst era, Mosley. <laughs> well, no, Mosley hits on Anna in season one, I think, and then he's long past done here. He's not past done when she's in jail. He's being a little bit. He oversteps a little bit. Oh, I, I will have to watch it again sometime. But yeah, maybe. maybe. <laughs> that leads us back to Anna and Bates. Hmm. So Anna goes to see Miss Bartlett. Mrs. Bartlett, who calls her a trollop. <laughs> and said basically she's trying to get some information. She goes to London, by the way. This is mm-hmm. a trip. She's taking a personal day to do this. Yep. To find out some information about what happened to Vera because Bates is doing laps in the yard at this point in time. Which question about that? Because that is, I guess, ostensibly their, their exercise, which is then just walking in a circle in a prison there. If Bates was like transported to modern day, what do you think would be his exercise in the, the gym yard, <laughs> the prison yard? He's doing upper body. You know he's oh, not yeah. messing with his leg. Yeah, that's true. He, he doesn't want to walk more than he can. He's all, he's all, he skips leg day every day, and he's just doing pull-ups the whole time. Or he's, he's like one of those arm wrestlers where he's got his good leg is like shredded. And his bad leg is is not. Yeah, but I, he's absolutely coming out of jail ripped as can be. Bates, no question. Yeah, twenty twenty three framed Bates. Yeah. Uh, 
But yeah, but let's let's jump jump back to Anna before we dive into prison baits. Yeah, uh, well, Bartlett Bartlett's kind of just trash talking. Yeah, and she's giving her side of the story that uh, you know the day before Vera passed away, uh, Vera was bad mouthing uh, Bates, and you know there was something about Bates coming back for tea potentially, which terrified mm-hmm. her. And uh, she's convinced that that Bates murdered her, and she wishes that the system wasn't so uh, backwards, or else he'd already be hanging, pretty much. Yeah, and she de- she lets out the nugget that she was making a pie, mm-hmm. which we know uh, later on they use there was gunk in her fingernails, which is what gets Bates off. Yeah. And this is a nice little, you know, Anna's like, I didn't get anything. But it's like, you did, Anna. You did. You just don't know it yet. Right. The pie. <laughs> That's the answer to everything. But yeah, Bates is uh, still very much in jail. Bates is walking. Mm-hmm. Walking, doing laps. And uh, somebody tips him off. Says they got eyes on, you know, they for some reason they got eyes on you. And check your bunk. But by the way, again, I know we've commented on this before, but the fact that he's walking without the cane and he's doing just fine, you're like, you're just, I'm just curious, like, what is like his stretching routine before or after? Because like, obviously, his hip must be hurting him or something must be hurting him. He's got to be stretching out. <laughs> yeah, can't you get a doctor's note? Isn't there an infirmary? You think? Um, but yeah, the, the, and we never catch really who the guy is that's tipping Bates off to this activity about Craig and Durant. He just says like, check your mm-hmm. check your bunk, man. And it's not really clear what Bates finds. It's like this like little stick, a wrapped up stick. It's like a shiv. Yeah, I guess that's what it is. And the people come in, they, they search the room, they find nothing, and Bates has already shoved it in the crack in the wall, so they'll never find it. Which re- leads to an incredible exchange where uh, I think Craig says, uh, a lot of, uh, the, 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 oh, he just says bastards. And Bates says, yep. there's a lot of bastards in here. <laughs> I, I thought, I mean, Bates is the kind of guy who's like the anti-Ross Poldark. Where like, the second those cops leave the cell, Ross Poldark is beating that guy to death. Like, <laughs> they're going to come back and there's just going to be a, a body with no head. Yeah. Because Ross is going to punch him so much. Bates, you want him to deck the guy. Mm-hmm. But he just says something under his breath that you know that guy's like got the devil scared into him now because of what Bates said. He's like, oh, jeez. He's got this guy this sleeping under him. Yeah. Yeah, because he can't climb. He can't climb to the top bunk. And what's the guy's uh, goal there? Is it, guy, is it just to get his room back, his cell back <laughs> to himself? Yeah, like, what is the beef with Bates? He's like a quiet, you know, married man who just wants to get out of there. Negative energy, man. It's the negative energy that Bates brings, maybe. <laughs> I mean, he is a brooder, and, and I think some people mistake brooding for, like, evil. It's It's contagious, though. You know, you, you bring mm-hmm. the mood of others the brooding? down. brooding? Yeah, he doesn't want to be brooding either, uh, Craig. So that's why he's uh, trying to get him out of there. That contagion. Yeah, so that's really that. Uh, I guess we could also, another quick sort of tackle is the O'Brien-Barrow feud is kind of in full swing. Yeah. Partially because of Alfred, because Barrow is not the super keen helper that O'Brien wanted him to be when Alfred's kind of gunning for his position. Mm-hmm. So we see that Barrow plants a seed and uh, again, worst era Mosley that mm-hmm. O'Brien is leaving and that he heard Mosley talk about a cousin that needed a ladies maid job. Yep. Because he knows Mosley can't keep a secret. Not at all. So, so Mosley approaches Cora in the room with the whole family. He's like, can I have a word? And, She's like, have it out. Let's do it right here. And he says, you know, I know someone who can replace O'Brien since she's, you know, about to be stepping. Put her to notice. Yeah. Uh, and Cora's like, huh? And even Robert says, wait, what? I mean, I, I don't mind seeing her go, but what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> and then Mary's, no, no, Robert's like, oh, I have mixed feelings. About mixed feelings. Seeing her. And then Mary's like, I won't have mixed feelings about seeing that old creep leave. Right. Because I think they're all pretty clear that. They know she's responsible for the bathtub incident, right? I mean, I don't think so. No, no, no they don't because they just remember don't like that her. comes into play later. 
Yeah. But uh, that's right. That's right. That's what Thomas holds over her head. Um, but yeah, so so that news comes around. But it dovetails with the other plot line, though, of Hughes is ill with cancer. That's the plot line going on here. And uh-huh. she, Pat Moore knows. And then Carson overhears them talking about, oh, she's ill. Something's off there. And and so he gets in his head like, oh, she needs to get some you know time to take it easy on, on the job. This is maybe too demanding for her right now. Well, he, he sees he sees Clarkson walking down the street. Oh, yeah. and he's like, hey, I heard about I heard about Hughes. And he's like, what did you hear? And Clarkson's like, or Carson, Carson and Clarkson sharing the screen is terrible because their names are too similar. Mm-hmm. Clarkson is like, well, well, what did you hear? And Carson's like, well, I just need it doesn't matter what I heard. I just need to know how I can make things better. And Clarkson's like, tell her to work less. Yep. And so also, you probably don't know what's going on. So leave me alone. Yeah. Clarkson pretends to be like, I don't know, man. <laughs> And there's entirely possible he doesn't know much. I can't remember. We we didn't see the episode. Well, I mean, they're waiting for tests. Right. That's, that's the thing. So he doesn't know anything. But mm-hmm. all this to say that Carson approaches Cora as to say, hey, can we relax the work on, on O'Brien? She's been or Hughes. on Hughes. She's going through a lot. And Cora is, is just kind of goes off on Carson for a second. Like, how are we supposed to have her have, take it easy when we won't even have O'Brien around to help out? And Carson says... <laughs> Huh. Excuse me? O'Brien. Well, the chicken's come home to roost because he goes downstairs and says, hey, O'Brien, what's going on? Where are you going? And O'Brien is caught off guard. She's like, I, what do you mean? And so there's just this belief that there was a, someone misheard what O'Brien said. And, and O'Brien's like, yeah, and then I, there's nothing I could have mostly, said. Mosley's the first to like jump up and be like, I told her ladyship because I, I, was, I heard you were leaving. Yeah. And O'Brien, like, snaps on Mosley and, and like puts him down. She's like, who do you think you are talking like that? Right. And, and, and Mosley's like, what are you, t- I just, I'm repeating what I heard. And you're skipping over. Barrow's you're, like, you're skipping over though. Cause he went to, she, she, uh, Cora talks to O'Brien and O'Brien is mm-hmm. just like, no, what? <laughs> Cause she's just hor- horribly embarrassed by that whole predicament. Cause she, she never planned to leave. And so, Mm-hmm. looks embarrassing in front of them because the, the assumption from Cora is just that she was saying probably something ill about the house and that's why they inferred that she was maybe leaving or something along those lines possibly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, as you're saying, she interrogates Mosley and, and... And Barrow basically gets out of the room before the conversation can get deeper. Yep. And then we find out towards the end of the episode, you know, O'Brien and, and, and Barrow find out. About, you know, and we Each don't other. see this come to, yeah, nothing really comes to here. Yeah, Mosley just tells O'Brien uh, that it was, oh, it was, but the thing is, the way Mosley tells it is so just matter of fact, like, oh, it was, it was Thomas, like, you know, he was just sharing information. I, I thought we all knew. And O'Brien's like, oh, okay. But she does say, like, you know, next time something happens, it may be a, a white lie or whatever on my part you know, towards you. Like, you like, I will do something bad to you potentially, but it'll be completely innocent. <laughs> Just watch. Ryan stinks. I, don't, I would like to know, and this is an honest question to our fans. Does anyone like O'Brien? Is there an O'Brien fan in the world? And she introduces us to Alfred and he stinks too. What a terrible branch. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, the, the, Whatever the last name is, O'Brien, I guess, because maybe he's Alfred O'Brien. Yeah, who knows? But the she, O'Briens, you, you stink. But she she squares up uh, Thomas uh, o, o Barrow by the end of the episode. Like, this ain't the last of me, man. <laughs> I'm hanging around. She's like, just wait till season four. Yeah, she's like, watch I'm out. Gonna, I'm gonna have a real payoff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Talking about, I know last week we, we discussed if Julian could wipe a character from the show completely. And I said he might, you know, Daisy has a lot of duds. Mm-hmm. O'Brien might be the clear choice. Oh, yeah. And, and Daisy has a good moment here, too, when everyone's just like, God, Mosley, why do you have to muck everything up? And then Daisy just turns to him and says, you're in the soup now. <laughs> and Mosley just looks so beside himself. Like when Daisy's telling you you're in deep, that's that's a sign of trouble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
It's poor Mosley. Poor Mosley, poor. <laughs> yeah, poor cousin stuck of his. In the middle of that. Yeah, that cousin didn't get a job. No. So. Okay, so where do we go from here? I think, do, do we have the big three left? Is there any other sort of odd side quests going on? It's the marriage, the inheritance, and the. We start. We started talking about the dovetailing of the hues. So let's just wrap that one up. Wait, wait. Was it dovetail with? Oh, Hughes. Oh, yeah. With what we just talked about. Oh, well, you know. Uh, so yeah, Carson is trying to be kind to her, and you can also start to see the way Carson is a smotherer. I don't think I don't know if I picked up on this until now. Like, just even when they're in a relationship later on and stuff, he really is just like smothering her with attention. Like. Is there anything we can do? It's because he cares. It comes from a, a well-meaning thing. But man, mm-hmm. I can see that getting old quick if you're dating Carson. This guy is way too on top of the the significant other. G- give him some breathing room. You know. I think this is the moment of the show where if you hadn't shipped them, you're pulling up the anchor and sending that boat out. Yeah. This is Carson and Hughes because I believe... Uh, what's her name? Uh, why Pat am I Moore? blanking? Patmore is like he's a good man mm-hmm. and he cares about you and you see it in Hughes's face where she's like so frustrated and so scared yeah but she this like sense of comfort comes over her mm-hmm. and yeah I mean there you know this is this is a whole lot of nothing Julian has done this what three times at this point yeah these sort of illness scares that are nothing. Right, it's benign is what we ultimately find out. But mm-hmm. really... And then there's that Carson is off in the corner, mm-hmm. polishing plates, singing to himself with a big smile on his face. And you see that Hughes kind of walks by and sees it. And yeah. Delightful moment. And it really, I mean, it, it doesn't add up to much, but it's a bunch of grace notes of like why, as you're saying, they work as a potential couple. Because he really is there for her. And he's trying to, you know, you know, so he's always so hard-nosed, uh, Carson. It, you can see a soft side of him when it comes to her. Mm-hmm. And they, 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 Julian just leans into those moments in this episode. Because uh, even the moment... And there's, there's like no... This is an episode where you can say like Carson wants her healthy... Mm-hmm. Because of the wedding, but there's no like pretense. He just wants her to get better. He wants yeah. everything to be okay. I, I love and that's where we see human Carson. I love his exchange with Patmore too, where she inadvertently reveals that it's cancer, <laughs> and he's just like, "Well, you already told me." And Patmore's like, "Ah, oh. <laughs> you know, the doctor-patient confidentiality." Like Carson's found his way around it. You know, one thing they never explored in Down that they could really lean into, I think, is like a thruple situation with Patmore and Hughes and Carson. There, she already, Not now. She's already, you know, subjected to having to ask them about their their love life and everything. Just toss her in the mix. See see what happens. Well, you can't anymore. She's with Mr. Mason. Break them up. <laughs> Let's let. Yeah, bring bring Tofton to ruin that marriage. Yeah, and then kill off Tofton, and then. That's right. Insert him. I, I forgot all about our our uh, fan fiction. I need to write that. <laughs> Hey, yeah, we'll we'll get there for our Patreon listeners. We are working on fan fiction, just just so you know. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you have Tofton, right? Yeah, I had Tofton as a character I drafted to appear in my fan fiction okay. for our Patreon listeners. Uh, hey, okay, all right, that's that's on you. Uh, but I, I think that wraps that one up. Mm-hmm. Let's talk the inheritance before we talk the wedding. Sure. The wedding is the big the big one. Yeah, uh, I forgot. Totally forgot they were considering moving out of the house completely and, and reducing. <laughs> Like, man, Robert really screwed the pooch in that one. <laughs> they, they lost all their money. Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're looking at one of their um, homes that they own, and they're lamenting that it would be have to be called Downton Place after they kick out the current tenants to, to move into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everyone's like, why are we having lunch out there? <laughs> yeah. And, and the, the helper are, are kind of confused. They're just trying to think nothing of it. But, yeah, man. Hard times for for the the Granthams, the Crawleys. And we get a couple like character beats from uh, from Sybil, and and this is a sort of strange episode because for this this brief moment in time, all of the kids are sort of in a good spot. Yeah. And Edith references this, but you know Mary and Matthew are doing well. Sybil's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, they seem to be okay with um, Branson. Yeah. But there's the moment in this episode where Branson or, or Sybil says, the house is so small. How do we live? And and 
Branson just tells her, like, that's a giant house compared to most of the world. Like, <laughs> Know your place. You know how many people would love this? And and she's like, yeah, all right, whatever, fine. Like, yeah. you can you can put a little revolutionary in the high society person, but you can't take the high society person out. Nope. Uh, but, yeah, we, they spend a little time at that house. And they come back. And the whole time, though, um, Mary is guilting uh, Matthew because... There's an inheritance that he acquired from the, the Swire. Or he thinks he might acquire. He, yeah. he thinks it's coming. Right. And they investigated because it was supposed to be, there was supposed to potentially go to one of the, the, I think his father or one of the family members who was in India, but they've potentially, they've gone missing. And that's the thing they say at the mm-hmm. beginning of this episode is like, oh yeah, the guy in India hasn't appeared. Yeah. So there's like three people that could potentially get this. Mm-hmm. And. Matthew is like number three, but it turns out he might be the one. Right. And he's just not following up on a, it, not looking into it. But he gets a letter. And he gets, yeah, he gets a letter and he doesn't want to open it because he doesn't want to do this. Meanwhile, his wife is saying how she, they got to leave the family house. They got to put all these people out of a job. Mm-hmm. All this stuff is going to happen. And Matthew's like, I'm not going to do it. That's yeah. so disrespectful to the legacy. You know, I feel like this is very similar to Daisy being so upset about marrying William on his deathbed. This is mm-hmm. very much Matthew, like, taking from um, Reggie Swire. Yeah. It's so disrespectful to what I did to Lavinia. I, like, broke this woman's heart and she died. It's like, you know, Anakin and Padme situation. <laughs> like, he's, you know, she died of a broken heart. Yeah. So, uh, and Mary, you know, she is a snooper. Mm-hmm. She opens the letter. And she reads the letter, and he he is irate that she she did this, understandably so, because he he couldn't bring himself to open it, and she's pretty much invading his privacy by going into this. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but if not for her, they wouldn't find out that what that was it. Lavinia wrote a letter when she was passing, saying, "I want Matthew to inherit everything," which her father then says, "You can take this guilt free. Don't worry about it. If I die, that's okay. You can take on this money. It's okay." Yeah, and then Matthew's like, this is BS. This is some kind of forgery. There's no way he knew all the details. And Mary's like, oh, you know, let's see if the letter went out, that she wrote a letter on her deathbed. Matthew's like, that's impossible. Mary goes downstairs, said, did anybody deliver a letter from from a dying Lavinia? Daisy says me. Oh, Well, Daisy walks in after everyone says no. And then Daisy's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I did a letter. Well, why didn't you say anything? And then, well, because I'm Daisy. And then, and then they go and they deliver, you know, Daisy tells Mary. Mary tells Matthew. And Matthew Matthew has like a golly gumdrops moment where he's like, all of our yeah. problems are over. And it's like, wait a minute, what? Mm-hmm. Your guilt should remain the same just because you're dead fiance. Well, he does sit with it for a moment, though, of just like, I guess, okay. I guess this is this is all making sense now. I, yeah. I mean, I think he should take the money, but he should also maybe, maybe you know, think about, say, a prayer for Lavinia or something like yeah. that. It's funny because like I understand where Mary is coming from in this episode. She's going to lose her childhood home and maybe and then like lose a fortune, and so like it's just mm-hmm. a, she's facing a life unknown. But also, she goes really hard on Matthew in this episode for you know <laughs> not forking over money or trying to get money for for the family. Just like, not just money, like. An estate's worth of money. Yeah. Like enough money to just basically keep this bankrupt family afloat, which is insane. Yeah. They just took they just took from the Swires and they kept it going. Um So yeah, he's gonna get Reggie's money. Who was supposed Reggie Swire was supposed to get it. So mm-hmm. he says, Okay, I'll tell the family, but on one condition. After Edith's wedding, we don't wanna steal her thunder. Mm-hmm. And he later later tells Robert, and Robert's like, "Oh, great! That's great. <laughs> He's happy." Mm-hmm. And so then and Robert, nothing changes. Robert's like, "I'm not taking the money. Yeah, we are the the joint masters of this house. Yep, my fairy tale boy is my fairy tale equal. We right. are now." The kings of this together, and Matthew's like, "Oh God!" Because yeah, Matthew offers what it I up. Myself and, into Matthew offers it up, and Robert's like, "No, no, no, we are equal partners." And then Robert comes to realize, 
wait a second, what did I do here? I, I don't like this Matthews guy ideas. Well, but, I mean, Matthew doesn't stick around too long to, to enact anything. Well, no, they, he does long enough to, to start the change that needs to be made. Uh-huh. Just stop investing in Ponzi schemes from Ponzi. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that, there's the inheritance there. Also, the, Matthew's acting, or Dan Stevens' acting in this episode, he has like such an interior strength that I feel like is missing from so many other characters on this show. His acting is so good. Mm-hmm. You can really feel how his departure is going to create a vacuum because he is such a center pole for so many of the characters here, I think. Yeah, and I mean, I know we see uh, Matthew Good is is a fine actor, good actor, but he doesn't have that Dan Stevens gravity. Yeah. Not at all. And I think that Dan Stevens and Alan Leach have a similar sort of power. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think they're so good together. Yeah. But Dan Stevens, man, man, what a loss. His uh, loss, too. We've talked about yeah, I think he chose poorly. Yeah. So, anyways, we got the Edith of it all. We got the Edith of it all. From the beginning of the episode, people are not thrilled about this wedding. Not at all. The Dowager is not. At one point, I believe Cora and Robert talk about how Edith is going to be taking care of a hundred-year-old man, a fifty-year-old man, uh, or no, she'll be age fifty with yeah, an old man, a one-armed man in a wheelchair. Uh, but Sir Anthony, I think there's a really nice moment in this episode, and and the good thing about this is like the plot of their wedding is so like secondary to uh, to when it actually happens. Mm-hmm. You can just kind of pepper in what you observed. So like. The scene where Robert and Sir Anthony are just chatting. Right, it's all the boys. It's, like, it's, Tom, it's Tom is there. Uh, I mean, Branson and uh, Matthew. And Matthew. They're all smoking stoves. And yep. let's talk politics. And they end that conversation quick by saying, like, well, Tom here is a revolutionary. We don't want to talk about that kind of stuff around here. Yeah, and then Matthew's like, I don't want to hang out with the old folks. Yep. Let's go play some billiards. Yeah. And Branson's like, thank God. And Robert and Anthony have a conversation where Anthony's like, I know you're not happy with me. Mm-hmm. Or like, are you like, are you happy? And he goes, I'm, I'm happy. Edith is happy. Yeah. And then if you're gonna keep Edith happy, I'm happy with you. So on and so. That's forth. A ha- enough happiness, he says. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it's a nice thing where it's like you can clearly tell Robert isn't thrilled with the situation, but he's accepted it. And that's where he is with it. And that's all the best he can be. Uh, uh-huh. And what is it? The But you can see there's red flags. Like Isabel's even pointing out that the, I think the vicar that they're getting is like lower on the pedestal than the one that Matthew and uh, Mary got. Yeah, they said that, uh, I believe Matthew and Mary had a archbishop where they mm-hmm. have Reverend Travis. Yeah. Who we saw last, last episode or last <laughs> week who was forced against his will to marry William and Daisy. So this is just like your local chaplain, the local reverend. So there's no pomp and circumstance, and Edith tries to play it off like, I don't want any of that. I just want to be married to this man that I love. Right, and she's looking forward to her her, uh, honeymoon, which sounds fantastic. Rome, Venice, Florence? Not our own. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then, you know... And uh, she goes, I'm not going to get any, any sleep tonight. And Sybil says, tonight or tomorrow night? Which to which the dowager, mm-hmm. you know, hat on a hat, riffs on that, and she says, "There's no substitute for wit." <laughs> She's saying, "Yeah, y'all ain't me. You yeah. ain't funny. Yeah, you, you think don't you, try to make the funny lines, right? You, you think you're sharp. You, you ain't me. There's no, there's no room here for the vulgarity. Get out of here." Uh, but Robert's saying, like, you know, Strahan's the best choice uh, to to Violet, but Violet's saying back to him, like, "Yeah, he's the best choice, but he's also ancient, dude." <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's just it's like one step above being a spinster is being like a young vibrant woman with a bum old man yeah and so they're on their way to the church and they're in the church and you know Violet is within earshot of Anthony Strahl and she's like well he's been married already you know th- 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 this is like you know this is old hat for him <laughs> Uh what is it you know he's in possession of all the facts because Travis is like do I have to go through the whole thing she's like no he already knows all this stuff and she's just pretty much bad mouthing him to where Strahlin can hear it 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a thing too, a rare site where like Violet is very honest, but it doesn't always feel hurtful. It's just very just like sharp jabs at people. Here it's like she obviously hates this situation and like whether she intends to or not is speaking very mean words about Strahlen where he can actually hear her. And it's like, uh-huh. I actually kind of felt for Anthony Strahlen in that moment where like he understands the situation. He, when, even when he talks to Robert, he says like, I get it. I'm old and this isn't ideal. But to like hear mm-hmm. Violet going on like that, God, I felt for him a little bit. He needs, I mean, I guess I would say he needs thick skin, but we know he does not have it. No, 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 no. Like the wedding barely gets started, and he's like, "I can't be here." Well, it's so ironic because like they, Edith says, "We should get a picture of all the sisters, you know, all three of us." This is like the last time they'll be seen together. And Lady Mary, Mary says, "I wish you all the luck in the world today." <laughs> real, real good, good job there, Mary. You really did give her all the luck. Yep. <laughs> and 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 Strahan's like, "My my sweet one, hey sweets, little yep. sweet, I can't do it. <laughs> can't do it. Won't do it." <laughs> Uh, and, and it's delivered in the most awkward way where he doesn't turn to face her. He's just kind of standing side by side with her and he's looking to her like, yeah, yeah actually this ain't working out. I can't. And she, she's all, you know, he, and he's like, I tried You know, this, this reminds me of like, if you ever watch any Chris Hansen where these guys are like, you know, to catch a predator, different. Chris Hansen, both, right? Yeah. Yeah. Catch a, to catch the classic Dateline NBC to catch a predator where these, these creeper dudes would be like, she told me. I told her I didn't want to do it. I tried to get out of this, but this kid told me. This is a, mm. you know, a legal. So you're saying Anthony Strong's a predator? I mean, he's, potentially. Okay. He's definitely the, going for this reeks of entrapment. This. Oh, this absolutely does. <laughs> okay, so he's about to entrap Edith, but he he has second thoughts. He has second thoughts, and he he's like, I gotta go. I gotta get out of here. And, and the and then the shot of him walking out, doubt, the, shot, the shot of him walking out, and the look that Carson gives Strahlen as he's walking out of there. Uh, it's great. He is just like daggers. Oh my god, just piercing right through him. And the Dowager, you know, you say that she she's talking too much trash about Sir Anthony. She's like, up. Oh, this is the fastest she has ever moved in this show. Oh, yeah. She moves fifteen feet in like two <laughs> seconds, and she's like, let him go. Yep, let him go. <laughs> Do not follow that man. Yeah. And it's like, you're going to be fine. You're going to recover from this. You will be yep. A-OK. Don't you worry about a thing. Everything is going to be all right. And Edith is, like, you know, inconsolable. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the Dowager, come, you know, swift on her feet when she has to be. Oh, and then yeah. Anthony gets in his car and Well, he doesn't get in the car. He, 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 he doesn't get in the car. He, he looks at the car and then he just exits uh, stage left. He just walks off instead. Uh, yeah, see how far he gets before <laughs> walking back the to the car. Boys, whoop him up. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, they just beat him up on the streets there for walking out. Um, yeah, man, and that's the last we see of Anthony Strawn on the show. Uh, uh-huh. I forgot this was even happening in season three. I thought this was all season two and done, but no, mm-hmm. they strung it out. And, and so Edith is at a low. She you knows, she, you know, Cora comes to visit her, and she and Cora tells her like, "You're being tested, and it'll only make you stronger." And she's like, this, is, this isn't working. And we all know this is only the first of many lows for Edith. It only gets worse from here. Oh, yeah. Like, just think about what she has ahead of her. I just feel so bad for her. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. And then she, Mary and, uh, Mary and Sybil are in there, and she's like, get out of here. I don't need you two yep. in here. And she's like, you're pregnant. You're probably pregnant. Mm-hmm. You're both married and happy. Leave me alone with my mom. Yeah. With my mommy. Yeah. Uh, then you see the downstairs where they're just talking about stuff where Brian's like I couldn't stand the shame of being left at the altar to which Barrow says you know you'll never have the opportunity or whatever you get. well I'm sure that never happened uh, <laughs> great line yeah. great, great Barrow moment but the funny thing is there's all this leftover food from the wedding and so they're able to eat some of the, the hors d'oeuvres it seems like because uh, even yeah, you get like the lobster, the asparagus. Because I think Violet says like, "Oh, I can take some of that food." <laughs> I think upstairs, like yeah, because they say they're gonna give it to the the homeless. It's like you give them the homeless wedding food. That's bougie. Yeah, so but, that's that's for Isabel's home. They're gonna teach them how to mm-hmm. to sew and then give them some little like crab rangoons. Yeah, I mean, so Violet Violet's like, "Yeah, I'll take some of that." The Dodge Countess, but like, there, but there is the line. Is it Alfred is like, "I think he stinks." I think Sir Anthony stinks. Yeah. Doing what he did to Lady Edith. He's a bum old man. And then and Mr. Carson is like, 
oh, we don't talk about the someone like that, even if they've done it. And then I think it's is it Hughes? Yeah, it's Hughes. It's like I think I think this time we're allowed to say this guy's a piece of crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's just like who is Alfred to say something about Stralin? It's like actually today anyone can say that they can tee off on him. Mm-hmm. But it is funny the mm-hmm. way they're eating the food because they're just like this is fancy food. I don't know if I like that. <laughs> They all kind of, they're all like, ooh, let's have this. Right, but they, they don't seem particularly like, oh, this is great. It's just like, they're, they're, it's very alien to them, it seems like, a, a little bit to, to be eating it. Oh, yeah, like they don't know what it is. Yeah. Uh, and, and this episode does have like maybe one of the best like one-two shots of the whole show. Mm-hmm. When Robert says, you know, like, get all these flowers out. I want Lady Edith to come down and not even know there was a wedding. Yep. And they have this shot where it's basically like a bird's eye view of the f- hardwood floor with the carpet being rolled out. Yep. And that immediately cuts to a wide shot of like, on the right hand of the shot is like Highclere Castle. Mm-hmm. And Robert like standing on the very green grass in the wedding suit. And then it's like, that's where Matthew goes to tell him about the inheritance. It's yeah. be- a beautiful shot. Oh, Top yeah. 10 shots of Downton Abbey. Yeah, it's really... Because they never use that... Uh, that structure that they have out there in the the yard either mm-hmm. and it's always kind of a good um contrast to the to the manor itself um but yeah it, it works edith is like even spinsters have to get up for breakfast so she's back at it yeah man hard times hard times so here's my hypothetical mm. would edith be better off overall if she marries Strahan? Um, it's hard to say. I think it's it's a fertility question. Can you still get it up? Can you get her pregnant? Because if I think if she has a kid, you see how happy she is with Marigold. I think that mm-hmm. that's really what she needs to unlock her is to have a child in her life. And I think if he could have provided that for her, I think they would have been fine. If he's too old and too too limp, one of them one of them worked out. Yeah, I think I I, I think. He is the lowest of the men that she's like officially dating. Yeah. I, but at the same time, it's like like you said, she's in for a lot of really terrible times involving the Drew family. Yeah. And all that nonsense. It's the Drake family. And isn't the it? baby. Oh no, the Drake's already happened. Huh? The Drake's already happened. Drake's the Drake's <laughs> already happened. Uh yeah, so it's like it, she goes through a lot. I think she might just be a little bit Chill, you know, she married Strawn. Yeah. And I mean, because the one thing they keep saying to her is like, you're going to be caring for this old man. It's like, she's still rich. It's, it's not, I don't think she would be waiting on him hand and foot because suddenly she's without the money to. Although I guess they have the expectation that they are going poor. So maybe that, that helps it. But it's not her money. She's got Strawn's money. She's like, they, they say in the beginning right. of the episode, she's leaving the, the sinking ship. Yeah. I, I think they would have been fine <laughs> uh, for the most part. But. So it goes. He couldn't do it. So it goes. Good episode, though. Very good. I mean, this is one of the iconic episodes. Good episode. Very... His exit is so just out of nowhere. Even though they really do tee it up, the way they play it is so dramatic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Iconic episode of Down Abbey. Oh, yeah. It's a great. Yeah. But we have power rankings. We do have power rankings. You want to start us off this week, Corey, since you didn't have them last week? I did have them last week. It was the week for Poldark. I didn't have them two weeks ago. Oh, okay, okay. What are yeah, weeks? My bad. I don't know. Uh, the number three going down. I got Barrow. His whole plan to really make O'Brien look bad doesn't really go anywhere. It kind of backfires. I, I, I mean, did he? Did he think that Mosley would keep it quiet that it came from Barrow? I, I don't. I don't know what is. I think that his. I think that his plan is not to get her sacked. It's to start a narrative. Mm. Which he does. So I don't think he... I, I wouldn't put him on the negative for that, but that's your prerogative. Yeah. Well, who's going down number three for you? And he has, he has that great line where he says no one wants to marry. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and number three, speaking of that subplot, I got Mosley. This guy gets stuck in the middle of something yeah. he doesn't want to be in. Mm-hmm. He's played for a fool. And then when he owns up to it and he's honest, O'Brien is still mean to him. Yeah. Like he's... Poor guy. Yeah, he's fine. That's just a Mosley week, I think. It's pretty average for him. <laughs> he's always getting dumped on. Uh, number two going down, I got Anthony Strollin. The guy... The, really? You... Hey, he he makes the right decision, even if it is at the last minute, to get out of there. 
And now everyone hates him, but he made the right call. He did what he had to do. Edith was too in deep, so I, I, I respect his choice to get out of there, even if it was poorly timed. Okay, okay. I don't, I don't, I didn't even give him the time of day. Okay. I got Bates at number two. Really? This guy's in jail. <laughs> he's in prison. Sure. And he's got this these these men trying to to ruin his life. And granted, he gets the shiv. He avoids mm-hmm. the trouble. But he knows he's sharing a he's sleeping in the same cell as this snitch. But they tried to try to get him killed. They try to do him in, but he gets away. He he they don't get him. But uh, yeah. But and then how how is life immediately following the good things that happened to Bates in this episode? Right. He's still locked up. I mean that that's where he is now. Uh, but there is the piece about the pie. He just doesn't know about it yet, though. The information about the yeah, pie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we know some good is coming for him in a little bit, but yeah. not. Not this week. Not this week. Well, Edith, for me, clearly going down. Oh, no no question. Terrible for her. I, I, is this worse? Everyone, everyone tells you not to, you don't have to do it. Like, don't do it, don't do it. And she's like, no, 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 trust me. I'm making the right call. And then this this, this stupid, doofus old man mm-hmm. is like, oh, no, you were right. Yeah. I, I mean, is this a more traumatic moment for Edith than uh, than um, Sir Greg, uh, Michael uh, Gregson going missing? Or is it because the Gregson going missing is so slow played that this is almost more traumatic because it's all right there in the moment and everyone sees it? I don't know. I feel like they're two very different things. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Gregson clearly has the baggage of the wife and the the mental mental institution. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is like she's just waiting for the news and she gets the news. Yeah. Well, who's going down at number one for you, Dave? Edith. Oh, okay. We okay. We were on the same page. That's right. I'm sorry. Well, who's going up then? Well, I got her number three. I think the Dowager has some moments here. You okay. know, we say she's she's. You know, she, she might be running her mouth a little too much around Anthony Strollen, but she's projecting. She knows this isn't good. Yeah. And then her moment with Edith, she's like the safety net. She's like, don't worry, like. Do not chase that man. And I mm-hmm. think the fact that she stresses, don't go after him. If Edith went after him, he might have turned around and said, you're right. I love you. My sweet. <laughs> Let's get back. Okay. Well, I got Hughes at number three. She beat cancer. And she's got... Okay, I got her at number two. Well, she's got a man singing about her. And he can carry a tune. He's got a lovely voice because he's a charming Charlie. Oh, my God. It all comes back around. That's why he's singing and he can sing well. He's a charming Charlie. That's some... Yeah, he's a vaudeville boy. Deep-seated, like, you know, payoff there. Yeah. Well, I got her at two for all those reasons. It's yeah. a great week for her. Number two, I got Matthew. The guy's got money. He saves the family. Mm-hmm. Good, good on him. You know, he comes back around. He, he's the savior of the day. Didn't even really try. It just happened. Magical okay. boy. Well, similarly... I was, you know, Matthew. I had written down. I crossed his name out. Okay. For my number one. Sure. I think it's Mary here. Ugh. Okay. Because and 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 it comes with a heavy heart because I think her opening that letter is an invasion of privacy. Mm-hmm. But she opens the letter. Matthew goes. Or she keeps saying to Matthew, "You got to check up on this Reggie Swire stuff." Matthew goes, "No. It's too much, too traumatic. I don't want to do it. I don't want yeah. to besmirch the memory of Lavinia." Mary goes, opens the letter, says, Matthew, there's nothing for you to worry about. You can do this guilt-free. Matthew goes, that's fake. I don't, I don't believe it. Mm-hmm. Mary goes downstairs, gets the dirt. Who wrote the letter? Who got the letter delivered from Lavinia? Finds out. Mary, yeah. Mary is the reason that Matthew succeeds. Sure. I mean, that, that, that is a valid case. I, I don't agree with the way she put the pressure on Matthew. I think it would have... It inevitably worked out its own way. I think he was having a, a quick reaction to that letter. I think he would have eventually caved and read it. But like, okay. yeah, I mean, sure. She 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 moved, put it in the motion. She does say, "God bless you, Daisy," which is a rare occurrence on this show for anyone <laughs> to say that about Daisy. Yeah, because we never see Daisy sneeze either. So. <laughs> no. Uh, well, number one for me, I think it's very much Violet going up this week. Okay. Her, really? Okay. Her being an earshot of Strawn and talking so much dirt about him. And I think that, I mean, as much as Robert overcomes and accepts Anthony Strawn, I think informs his attitude towards the situation too. Not only that he's old, but like just creates this negative atmosphere that's swirling around this wedding. 
And so mm-hmm. it really makes it so like this guy can't marry her. Like he just knows everyone thinks this is bad. And so regardless of what they'll think there in the moment, this is what has to happen. And so really I think she bears a strong influence on the outcome here. And then arguably either this future thereafter of not being happy for a long time. So, yeah, yeah. She's the little does she know. She is pushing one domino that is setting off a chain of events that no one could have predicted. So Violet, huge power player this week, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. So Yeah, I I don't know what we're watching next week. People have recommended another episode because we still got three yeah. weeks until Gilded Age returns on the twenty ninth. Yeah, and I think the weekend after that, so when we record the week after or the week before Gilded Age premieres, we're going to watch the Gilded Age season one finale. Yeah. Revisit that. So where all these characters are fresh because God knows we for, forgot a lot of people. Absolutely. HBO a lot used to of do, moving parts. HBO used to do recaps of seasons before they came back. I, I could really use one of those, but we need to just do the work ourselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Dave, have you been watching anything else in the interim? Uh, it's been a pretty busy week, uh, but I did, I did. I'm watching still love, uh, one behind on Love Is Blind until I'm caught up. Okay. So this is probably one of the worst still, seasons I think of the show. No, oh, Jesus, all duds. Like, all duds. Duds and crazies. There's no fun. <laughs> they do have like one of the worst characters I, or people on the show. The Uche guy is probably the way he's so patronizing towards the woman that he's talking to is so disgusting. I can't stand the guy. It's terrible. Well, I mean, Lydia or whatever oh, she's, is also like bottom tier too. Oh my, not even close. I mean, yeah, she's completely, I don't want to say psychotic, but not healthy. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, but, you know, speaking of trashy rela- mm-hmm. uh, reality dating shows, I I dived in a, a bit. Uh-huh. Golden Bachelor. Okay. I watched it. What are you thinking on that? I think it's amazing. I think it, it is okay. a... You know, one episode in, and we don't know how trashy it's going to get. Mm-hmm. But this is uh, this is the kind of dating show I've been dying to see. Something different. Yeah. And the, all, all that's different is they're old. Okay. Does it feel like it's going to be different? Or like... Uh... I, I think all the characters are a little... So, like, the episode starts off, and, and there's not this story about, like, oh, I'm a businessman trying to find love. The, the whole, like, first at prologue is about mm-hmm. how this guy lost his wife. That's right. After they bought their dream house, and he wants to get back on his feet and enjoy the, his like golden years, mm-hmm. and then from there, all these women are like, you know, like obscenely attractive sixty-year-olds. Yeah, they're, you know, they're all like, oh, I'm divorced, I have kids, or you know, I'm a widower. Mm-hmm. All right. So it's all it, it's it. The mindset is different. But he's an attractive seventy-two-year-old. <laughs> oh yeah, and he's very charismatic. He's putting up with all the sort of tropey first round people where they're boring or they're playing mm-hmm. the guitar and he's like I like this and it's like most of these 20 <laughs> somethings would be like no thanks I'm get done. out of here yeah next <laughs> so yeah. I have high hopes okay yeah no and apparently it drew huge numbers yeah my mom I got my mom to, to tune in I'm just asking her for her thoughts and stuff because she's close to his age I'm just curious mm-hmm. to see what she thinks of it but yeah what about you Gore? anything up, up your alley I wrapped up the ultimatum LGBTQ plus edition uh, oh, that reunion. I mean, between Love is Blind with this Uche Lydia stuff this season and that reunion, it starts to make me feel uneasy about the producers of these shows. Like, they don't, mm-hmm. they barely have a handle on what is going on. Because they, cre- oh, yeah. they created the most unsafe atmosphere possible in that reunion, where they had a couple there that they revealed during the reunion had a domestic violence uh, occurrence in their relationship. What are you doing? <laughs> Why do you have these two people in the same room? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and yeah. so the one of the parties storms out, and then they have the gall to sit there and say, like, so are you still dating? To the woman who attacked her ex. They literally yeah. went to, like, what? Are you, are you, I was so outraged watching it. I thought this is just, just awful. Awful, like, I won't say awful TV, but like, the people who put this together should be ashamed of themselves. Like, truly. Like, everyone in that room, except for the people who, like, went to go check on the one who was, you know, hurt and reeling and stuff like that. You are you need to grow up. <laughs> like, something's yeah. wrong with you. That I mean, that's what I think... And the thing is, like, because I, I was on, like, Reddit after watching that show, and there's a lot of people that were like, this show is, like, really entertaining and, mm-hmm. and probably, you know, the messiest and most fun iteration of this concept. Mm-hmm. And then... 
that reunion is like these people are so broken oh, and yeah. the reunion and it's like to, to me i couldn't keep my eyes off it but then as soon as you turn it off you're like oh my god something i, I shouldn't have been allowed for that. no i like i want to report a murder after watching that that was so tough uh but yeah, the, that show. The there's so many truths that come out from those relationships. I feel like they're just universal of just like problems mm-hmm. in relationships. That makes it so incredibly relatable. It's like very engaging TV. But at the end of it, you just kind of feel dirty watching these like relationships just burn and crumble. Even like the one that they have in the reunion, saying, "Oh yeah, we're happy." There's a placard right afterwards. Oh, they broke up right after the special. Like, oh okay, great. <laughs> if you do like those Netflix dating shows, it is. Tippy toppy for me, yeah. Until that reunion, it, I think it's very it's, it's very engaging, but it's it's not it doesn't leave leave you feeling like like kind of high because you watch something you should have been watching. Kind of makes you just feel depressed. I think by the end of it, man, it's a new look. <laughs> that that is it is indeed. If they had Lachey in there, it would have been a little different. Yeah, maybe they needed Vanessa because Vanessa would not have stood up for that. She would have cut right to the core of what was going on. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, they needed her in there. So, okay, we've gone an hour here. <laughs> yeah. Listeners, we have a Patreon. We are going to do some fan fiction that is Down Abbey-based soon. Uh, but until then, you know where to find us. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, X, whatever you call it. Uh, you can uh, listen to us on any podcast platform that you listen to. Leave us five-star rating and review if you so choose. You can find our pod beam. Look at, look at our web, our old episodes. Someone was asking this week to find our original episode. and It took a moment, but yeah, September 10th, 2018, or not September. It was something, it was in 2018 early, but we got it to him. Scheming and scuffling. Mm-hmm. 1.1. Uh, but that's it. And we will see you next week on the pod.